of our students are gone for the summer. Some of you are still left. Some of you just graduated over the weekend. And I know it is now the season of graduation and commencement addresses. And most of the graduation speakers are very famous and popular and tend to have a tagline or a famous quote. Um, historically, this has been the case. Uh, like Steve Jobs, his, uh, on his commencement speech, he said, stay hungry, stay f- foolish. And the Monty Python actor said, life has a very simple plot. First you're here and then you're not. I like that one. Uh, Sanjay Gupta, who is the uh, doctor over at CNN, he wants the graduates to write uh, the sentence, I am who I always wanted to be. Interesting. And then Denzel Washington says, I found that nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risk. And what these speeches are supposed to do, they're supposed to somehow inspire the graduates and launch them out into this this brave world where they can take over and go on a, a new adventure. And some of you have just graduated. Good job. It's probably uh, maybe your last Sunday here at EBF. You're moving on. And, and then there are still others that are here this morning who are moving on. Your circumstances have changed. Uh, you're moving. You got a new job. It, it happens all the time in our church. People are coming and going all the time. And so I just thought I would, I would in a sense, uh, give a commencement speech myself. I try to do this about once a year because I'm really jealous of all the people who get to speak at graduation, and I'm never asked. So you have to put up with me at least once a year until I get asked. So this is the way it's going to go. I'm going to give you a little tagline that I'll, I'm going to kind of encourage you as I send you out. And for those of you who are not moving on, it's for you too. So he, here's how it goes. Here's going to be my, my little challenge to you at EBF. Are you ready for it? Walk by the Spirit. As you are launched out into this world on a great venture, walk by the Spirit. And I want to try to move beyond the platitudes and just have a little cool little tagline and then just talk about a bunch of nothing. Let's move beyond the platitudes and try to understand what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? a great phrase, but what does it mean? And what we do here, if you're new, we really want to study the Bible. And we're going to study it a lot today. So uh, maybe if you're not used to that, maybe it's some of the places you've been, just kind of get your muscles, you know, kind of do some stretching, because we're going to really get into the Word this morning. So let's turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is where we find this phrase. And if you can't find Galatians, Look at the table of contents or on someone next to you. But Galatians chapter 5, we get the phrase, walk by the Spirit. So let's go ahead and stand as I read Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify by the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You may be seated. So as you can see, the Apostle Paul has a vision for the Galatians to walk by the Spirit. And throughout Galatians, if you want to kind of set the context, he's trying to correct false teachers. And the false teachers are kind of like these these legalistic Judaizers, as they're called, that are trying to get people to keep the Old Testament law. And they're in in the sense of circumcision and special days. And, And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Those who put their faith in Christ alone for salvation are no longer under the Old Testament law in, in, in the sense of they must observe it in, in the sense of like they did in the Old Testament, but they're now people of the Spirit. We don't toss out the Old Testament. We don't toss out the standards. But now we as Christians are encouraged to walk by the Spirit, by the Spirit in obedience to God. Now, what I want to do with you this morning is we're going to look at three in-depth perspectives of walking by the Spirit. I'll put them up for you. This is where we're going. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? We're going to look at a historical perspective, an internal perspective, and a practical perspective that we're going to see throughout the Bible. And hopefully, this is not going to be boring. It is going to require a lot of work on your part. And I'm going to try to give a description of each of these with images that you can remember them. So let's start with the first one, the historical perspective. This is going to be the hardest one to understand, so stick with it. Goodbye, Egypt. Hello, promised land. That's where we're going. Goodbye, Egypt. Hello, promised land. Start with verse 16, chapter 5. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit. Now, why is he using this terminology of walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit? Now, what I'm about to do with you, I've been waiting months to do this. You may not get that excited about what we're about to do, but I've been waiting months to do this with you, to explain this with you. I don't know if you've ever have discovered something yourself and then want to share it with someone else. That's where I'm at. I, I was studying this book by this guy named Fesco, J.B. Fesco, and he just opened my mind to understand what Paul is getting at here. Because what is Paul saying? Walk by the Spirit? What does that mean? Well, he makes the argument that Paul's got something going on in the back of his head that we may not understand in our modern day context. And what Paul is is saying in this terminology of walk by the Spirit, he has in the back of his head something in the Old Testament. And it's the event of the Exodus. The Exodus. So just as Israel comes out of Egypt when they were slaves, so Paul is arguing that we have been released from our slavery to sin and to the law, and now we are journeying. This is, this is going to be awesome. So I hope you can stick with me, and if you can't, it's my fault, not yours. So here we go. Let's kind of jump around in Galatians for just a little bit. Those of you who have the app, I did all the work for you. You got it right in front of you. But if you, those of you who just have the Bible, let's just look at Galatians 3.23. Look at Galatians 3.23. 
Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So get this. Just as Israel were captives in Egypt, so we are held captive under the Old Testament law until faith in Christ is revealed. Now, how are we captive to the law? Think about the Ten Commandments. How are we held captive to the Ten Commandments? Well, check this out. This is what the law is for. The law sets God's standards. And we go, that's good. I like the Ten Commandments. But what the Ten Commandments do is that they reveal our sin. And they go, okay, look, the the, the law says you need a Savior. But the law can't save you. So we're held captive under the law until faith in Christ is revealed. But the law is doing its purpose. It's revealing sin, but it can't save us. So we're since still in captivity. And so here's the idea that Paul is making. Just as the Israelites were rescued from Egypt by Moses, so we are in the bondage of the law, and we are rescued by Moses. No, we are rescued by one greater than Moses, the Lord Jesus Christ. Still building a case. Let's keep doing it. Chapter 4 of Galatians. Chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Speaks of Christ. 4, 5, and 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay? So we are free from the condemnation of the law. Ten commandments say you're a sinner. We're free from that through faith in Christ, and now we are adopted. We become God's children. But let's take it even deeper. Those of you who are put your faith in Christ, you've been redeemed from the law, but not only do you have the gift of adoption. This may blow your mind if you've never heard this before, but you also have the gift of God's presence living in you, the Holy Spirit of God. Living in you, the Holy Spirit of God. Still want to build the case a little bit further. Thank you for sticking with me. Look at chapter 3 again. Look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 of Galatians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So through Christ's death on the cross, we get, through faith, forgiveness of sin, and we receive the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. That's that's amazing. And you may wonder, why am I talking about this so much? Because what tends to happen when you study the fruit of the Spirit, you look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, you know, know, on and on. And you think, well, I got to work on that one. I better be a good person. Oh, I've got to work on patience. And we, we just kind of have this surface view of what it means to walk by the Spirit. But Paul is making an in-depth case that you've been adopted in Christ, and now you've been filled with the Spirit, and he connects it with the Old Testament exodus. And he's just getting started as we are just getting started. Because the case he's going to make is that when the Israelites left Egypt and started journeying to the Promised Land, get this, They were led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. When the Israelites left Egypt and they started journeying to the promised land, they were led by the Holy Spirit. And they were walking in the Spirit, in a sense, 
to the promised land. And rather than just tell you that on the surface, I'm going to show you some more verses, but I'll have mercy on you and put them up. So here we go. Here's some supporting scriptures. In the book of Haggai, chapter 2, when the people are, are back in the land, the Lord wants to encourage them, and he reflects back on the Exodus. Haggai 2, 4 and 5. He says, work for I'm with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came up out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. I want to make sure you get this. He's saying that when they came out of Egypt, the Holy Spirit was in their midst. And now they're back in the land. His spirit is still in the midst. When you think about the Exodus, you probably don't think about the Holy Spirit much, do you? That's what God says in Haggai. His spirit was with them. How about this other passage in Nehemiah? You've got to ask, well, how did the Spirit lead them? Well, Nehemiah is a great one. Nehemiah 19 and 20. You and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light them for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Oh, it gets even better. Check it out. So they're leaving Egypt They're headed to the promised land. The Spirit is leading them. How? The cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night. And so they see God's presence there. The Spirit is leading them. And they're following that. Their journey. They're walking in the Spirit. They're being led by the Spirit to the promised land. Is that not amazing? That is in the Old Testament. One more Old Testament. It's a long one. This is the last one from Isaiah 63, 11 through 14. It's the Lord again. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Let's reflect back to the Exodus. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit? There's the Holy Spirit again in the Old Testament. I didn't think the Holy Spirit showed up until the New Testament. It's amazing. In the Old Testament, Holy Spirit. Keep going. Who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths. Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock, they go down into the valley. The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your spirit to make for yourself a glorious name. This, to me, is amazing. The historical perspective is they're in Egypt. They're coming out. The Holy Spirit is leading them. They're walking, falling the Lord's guidance, in a sense, walking by the Spirit in the pillar of the cloud and the fire on their way to the promised land. And Paul goes, there was a point to that. It was a foreshadowing of things to come. And what is it for us? We are in Egypt of our sin, under the law. We are saved through Christ's death. We're filled with the Spirit. Now we are walking by the Spirit to the promised land? Yeah, the promised land of heaven. Paul just doesn't just throw phrases out there. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. He's got something in the back of his head. He's saying something significant happened in the Old Testament, and now we're living in the fruition of it, the fulfillment of it. And we are people who are walking by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Goodbye, Egypt. Hello, promised land. Goodbye, life of sin. Hello, we're headed to heaven, the promised land. To me, that's awesome. I just want to share that with you. I hope you're encouraged. You want me to do that over again? Okay. That was pretty confusing, I know. But you've got all the verses in front of you. Go home and look at it more. So that's one perspective. Historical. Goodbye, Egypt. 
Hello, promised land. We're walking in the Spirit. Number two, internal perspective. World War Z within. You're like, okay, now I understand. <laughs> this is much easier, right? All right. So a new movie came out this weekend. It's uh, based upon the book by the same title. Anybody see that movie? Yeah? Okay, so you saw the movie? All right. World War Z. Now, Z stands for zombies, in case you're wondering. And the zombies are the living dead walking around. And, and for the kids in here, and for some of the adults, zombies are not real, all right? <laughs> They're not, all right? No, man, that's what they were. They're not. They're not real. So the plot has to do with the war between the living and the living dead, the zombies. That's why it's called World War Z. Now, in a sense, every Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, every Christian has a World War Z going on within. Let me introduce you to zombie theology, all right? I'm going to try to explain this to you. We have something going on, a, a war going on within us. Let's see it back in Galatians. We're back in Galatians 5. After all that running around, back in Galatians 5, starting in verse 16 again. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now jump down to verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You ever read those passages in the Bible that talk about you're dead, you've been crucified with Christ, your old self is killed? You've heard that terminology before? Well, the idea is that your old self, along with your passions and desires, have been killed. And we talk about the flesh. We're not always talking about the skin here. We're talking about our old passions, our old motivation, our old way of living life. Well, the Bible says that our old life the old me, the old Jason before I was saved, that dude was killed, crucified with Christ, dead. When you're baptized, it's just a picture. I am burying my old self. You're dead. And we come up and we walk in newness of life, right? It's a depiction of what happens to us spiritually. So that means that whatever old Jason was doing, my old self, my old person, it doesn't have to dominate me anymore because it's dead. For example, Romans. Paul puts it this way in Romans. Romans 6.6. 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Old man, old self, our flesh is dead. And then why do I still sin? Why do you still sin? If your flesh was killed and your old self was dead, crucified with cross, why? Zombie theology, here we go. There's something still alive within you. It was killed. Your old self was killed, but now it's trying to make a comeback. It's trying to dominate you again. It's like the zombies. They're walking around, but they're dead, but they're alive. It's back, and it's trying to overrule your life once again. Now, the difference now that you are a Christian, this is the good news. Your old self, your flesh, has no power. Can no longer have the power to 
take authority over your life unless you say, okay, go ahead. Because it died. It doesn't have that power like it used to have. But there is this war going on between the spirit and the flesh. And the spirit is now the new Christ-centered way of doing things. You want to focus on Christ, bring glory to him. You're filled with the spirit. You have a new heart. But the flesh is the old me-centered way of doing things where it's all about you. And you have this war going on within. And the Bible recognizes this. The Bible knows this, this war going on within. For example, in the, in the book of James, James 4, 1 and 2 says, he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You see that? You see the war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So when we don't get what we want, our flesh tends to strike. We have this war. Something's fighting within us. But get this. Now that you're a Christian, now that you're a follower of Christ, you actually want to do the right thing. You want to do the right thing. Even when you make foolish decisions, you still have this desire now to do the right thing. And the Apostle Paul even recognized this. He said in Romans 7, 22 and 23, he says, Hey, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So he says, you know what? I want to do the right thing. And you as a believer, you want to do the right thing. But this zombie flesh is always trying to make a comeback and enforce its old ways. And I'm just wondering, have any of you ever said, there's no way I can be a believer and think the things I've been thinking recently? There's no way I can be a believer and feel the things I've been feeling recently. Some of you may have trusted Christ at one time, but you have these awful thoughts, awful feelings, and you're, you just want to go out and sin. And I just want to tell you, that's, that's normal. That's normal. So don't think you've lost your salvation, which can't happen, and don't, don't think that you are totally just bailed because you have these terrible thoughts. That's your flesh. Try to make a comeback. But here's the good news. You can say to your flesh, your old self, you can say, you are dead. You can say to yourself, nice try, but you have no power over me. You have no authority over me. I will not give in to you anymore. I have a new Lord now. And Paul says this as much in, in verse 16. Look at verse Chapter 5, actually verse 18. Look, he says in verse 18. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So no matter how much our flesh or, says, come on, let's go back to Egypt. It was so much better in Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. You say, no, 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 no. I'm not going back to Egypt. You have no authority over me. I'm not going to go back to Egypt. I'm not going to go back to my old sinful way of life because I've been free. I've been free from the law. I don't have to... Keep these standards to gain my salvation, what I cannot gain. Now I have the Holy Spirit, I have a new heart, and the law is etched on my heart. Now I can obey by the power of the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to encourage you is that even though you have this war going on within you, you have power now to say no to sin because of the Holy Spirit. You have power to resist it, to turn your back on it, and go the opposite way. But just know that the war is natural. You might want to try to find a church. You might want to try to find a Bible study. Or you might want to try to find some Christian group that can eliminate this war. And you will never find it. 
I don't care what kind of cruddy theology is being advocated out there that somehow you're not going to have this war anymore. There's always going to be this war. There's always going to be this struggle until you're with Jesus. But there can be victory. So be very careful. Be very careful of buying into a theology that eliminates struggle from buying into a theology that eliminates war within. Because that's not what the Bible is talking about. There's always going to be this war. And so if you came here this morning and you're messed up and you got issues, welcome. Let's fight together. This war is always going to be going on. And we have power to say, no. No. I'm not going to give it anymore. You're dead. Zombie flesh, you're dead. Quit trying to make a comeback. You're dead. Well, let's finish up with the last one, more practical perspective of walking by spirit. Third one, practical perspective, no more entertainment farming. I'm going to have to explain that one, but in a moment. Verse 19, let's go. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, these are some of the old sins that used to dominate your life and my life. And you could categorize it. Let, let's not spend a lot of time on them because we've hit these so many times. But we've got, we got sexual sins of impurity and sensuality. We have the false religion of idolatry and sorcery. And we have sinful actions and attitudes like jealousy and fits of anger, and we have substance abuse like drunkenness. Now, the issue is this. We're not ever going to say that Christians don't ever fall into these sins. No, 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 no. But what the Bible seems to be advocating is that though Christians may slip and fall into these sins, it should not be a habitual pattern in their lives. And I know you want to say to me, well, pastor, can you please define habitual. How long can I stay in my sin and still be good? (laughs) Do do you really want to be asking that? How long can I continue to commit adultery and everything be okay? How long can I have fits of rage and everything's going to be cool? See, Paul doesn't play around with that how long can I stay in my sin business because look what he says in verse 21. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's getting at is, hey, you may slip into these things, but do not let these become habitual patterns in your life because you may not have the Holy Spirit in you to begin with. Don't let them become a pattern. Instead, we should be people of the Spirit who bear fruit. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And what we're going to do, we're going to spend all summer. This is where we're going to land. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit every Sunday, the rest of the summer. Start with love and then move on to joy and peace. What does it look like, these specific traits, these specific characteristics that must manifest in our life? Now, we'll talk about it later. But what I want to just want you to grasp this morning is that the fruit is a package deal. Did you notice? It does not say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the works of the flesh, of course, but it says the fruit of the Spirit to show you that it's a package deal. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, the Holy Spirit of God, 
the package deal of the fruit will be manifested in your life. And I want you to get this because some of you have certain, you know, temperaments or natural abilities. Some of you are naturally so nice are naturally so patient. And you may think, well, that's just the fruit of the Spirit. And yet, you can have no self-control. Or you can have issues with following through in faithfulness. So what we're trying to move away from, we don't want to talk about natural temperaments or your natural abilities, but we want to talk about all the fruit as a package deal being grown in your life because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. All of it. And sometimes you got to look at someone's life really hard and say, man, I think I see some fruit there. And sometimes that fruit grows really, really slow. And you want to see it burst forth from the ground, but it doesn't always work like that. And so it's still, it's a package deal. It all goes together. We want all the fruit to be manifest in our life because it's up to the Holy Spirit, not up to us. And so the, the question we need to ask is, Well, how can I get there? If I want these things manifest in my life, which I do, maybe you don't, but I do, how are we going to get there? And this is where we're going to go the whole summer. We're going to talk about two things. It's going to go like this. Full strength, full dependence. Full strength, full dependence. It's going to show that I actually have a responsibility to work on being loving. I have a responsibility to work on being patient. Being patient. I have a responsibility to be kind. I have a responsibility to work on self-control. I cannot just sit around all day and go, well, I guess the Holy Spirit's not coming through. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for the Holy Spirit to pull that one off because I certainly am. It's not happening. No, no. We work on these things. We make effort through prayer, effort through the Word, effort through accountability. But get this. As you're doing that, you also have full dependence. You say, Lord, I cannot do it. I cannot pull this off. I need you. I need your spirit. This person is driving me nuts. This situation is out of control. I have no control over my bodies or my thoughts or my urges. God, you've got to give me self-control. So it's kind of this, I'm going to be working hard in full dependence. Full strength, full dependence. Lord, I need you to pull it off. So I leave you with this question. Do you see the fruit of the spirit in your life? Right now. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life right now? And this is why I think you need to be careful of entertainment farming. I'm going to explain what I mean by entertainment farming. Entertainment farming is also known as agritainment. It's when small farmers who own plots of lands or farms, they turn part of their farms into entertainment attractions like, for example, they may create a pumpkin patch or corn maze or pony rides or bounce houses. And my, my family, we love these places. We don't care if they're not growing crops. We just want to go there and play. It's a lot of fun. Go on the bounce house. Go ride the ponies. This is awesome. And it's good that they're doing that. But for the Christian, for the Christian, We're not supposed to be entertainment farmers. We're not supposed to say, I'm about all this other stuff, and on the side, I'll grow some fruit. On the side, I'll have some some love and joy and peace, but this is my main thing. 
See, if we're not careful, these works of the flesh can start to be the main thing. We go, you know, the main thing is me making money. The main thing is me having an elite family or me having an elite job. Or my, my main thing is try to figure out how my body can be the best body in Chicago or how I can strive up these great goals. And so we have on the side a little fruit, but at the core, we're entertainment farmers. And that turns into the works of the flesh. And so as you show it up here this morning, I want you to be absolutely honest. Is your life right now about trying to know God through Christ and become more loving and kind and patient and gentle and self-controlled? You're not throwing away your job. You're still doing those things. Or is your goal here this morning about cashing in, about making it, about climbing up those ladders. And you'll bear fruit on the side. I mean, you showed up at the church this morning. You got a little thing going on, on the side, but your main thing is you, me-centered life. And so if you showed up this morning as an entertainment farmer, when it's time to trash the bounce houses, get rid of the ponies, <laughs> and say, okay, let's get back to the real business of being a Christian. My main purpose is to bear fruit to bring glory to Christ. And it's too bad that many of you are moving on today. You're never going to be here again. You're moving on because you graduated or you're just moving and I'm going to miss you and we're going to miss you. But I tell you, walk by Spirit. You left Egypt. Don't go back to your old way of life. Be led by the Spirit until you're with Jesus in heaven. And it's going to be hard. And there's going to be a struggle and even right now, you're probably thinking of other things you'd rather do than walking by the Spirit because the flesh is still alive and yet it's killed, but still alive. But you've got to say, you have no power. Let's go about the main things of being Christ-centered instead of me-centered. No more entertainment farm. Let's go about, scrap that stuff, go about the main business that we exist for, to bear fruit. Fruit for the glory of God. Fruit that we can't pull off without fully dependence upon Christ and the Holy Spirit. Let's go about making our purpose, exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and faithfulness, all to the praise of his name. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so glad that you did not save us and then just kind of make us pull off the Christian life alone. Thank you that you filled us with your Holy Spirit, and we still have this war. And I just ask that today we will choose to be led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. And we ask you and cry out that you would produce the fruit in our lives. And I want to, Lord, just pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Some of them may be in the works of the flesh, of sexual morality, of impurity. Some may be dabbling and thinking about other religions. Some may have some bad attitudes toward others of strife, jealousy, and, and some of the, the guys and girls in here may have some serious anger issues. And some have come in here and they just have substance abuse, drugs and alcohol. They just can't seem to, to shake it, Lord. And I just ask, I ask God, they would not put off repentance. 
They would not think that another day will be another time. They can continue in these habitual patterns. May you show them and speak to them that those who are led by the Spirit of God will be filled with the Spirit and walk the Spirit. But those who continue to do such sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. May you awaken us today. And Lord, where we've gotten distracted, we've made the main thing our families or our jobs, which are great things, or even our church, which is a great thing, Lord, and we've gotten kind of distracted. It's about our little entertainment, me-centered farming. And Lord, I just ask that we get about your purposes of bearing fruit and walking by the Spirit. So may you stir us up at this very moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.